But tonight we're closing out our series on uh, giving thanks, on gratitude. And uh, this week I wanted to do a little social experiment, uh, a little introduction for us, which many of us here were a part of. And uh, I'm really interested in thankfulness and uh, gratitude, and I I wanted to discover what people thought of when they they heard of giving thanks. So I said, okay, folks, can you help me out? And I'm looking for a hundred things that you're grateful for. And uh, I had a stonking response, 160 people are grateful for things, which is lovely. And and we're just going to have a little look at that just now, and I want you to have have a peek at some of the highlights and um, concerns that might come up. You'll see a few of them here. My first one was from my fiance, which is a win. <laughs> and um, as we scroll down, you'll see food, uh, bacon, which appears probably quite regularly. Um, so maybe if we can just keep scrolling down the page or let's see what else we've got. Um, we have uh, someone saying they were grateful for James McSporran's relentless commitment to wearing collars. It's very specific, it's our our youth director. Um, Self-referential statements like this one, someone was thankful for. Um, Somebody put up a brilliant one that said, the friendship with people who disagree with me. And then someone underneath wrote, I disagree. (laughs) Um, And then someone said, being alive, I'm a cancer survivor. Someone said, being well enough to come off painkillers. Someone said, for grace, faithfulness and patience from God and Kathy. That was a, a David Richards there. I think he leads this church. Uh, someone said champagne. That was a, a, a Elizabeth Libby Talbot there who also leads here. Uh, the unique perspective each person brings to life and how that shapes and transforms us and helps us become more whole. Someone said I live in the UK and to be an independent woman, not restricted by cultures and custom, and especially to be able to step out the house whenever and whenever, at what time of the day and night, and know that I will not be harassed. That was from a friend of mine from years ago who, uh, whose family uh, came in from Pakistan seeking asylum. We added, and also bacon at the end of that. <laughs> the fact my grown-up children want to spend time with me and with each other. Someone else wrote, today, just drop the mic right there, barbecues in the rain with three generations of my family, and one of my oldest friends finished with, your maw. (laughs) We'd be complete without that. So maybe now recognize, how how do you feel when you see these things? Alarmed, probably. Um, But do you feel more or less peaceful than a minute ago? More or less grateful than a minute ago? as we see these swathes of insight from, from across people. And it showed me like, gratitude is really powerful. It can create a real shift in our thinking. It enables us, it, it communicates something to people around us. It's a sign of grace on us to be thankful. This grace that enables, grace that creates a gratitude. And tonight we're going to explore from this amazing story in Acts how grace brings restoration, grace leads us into worship, and grace creates wonder. So let's discover this man thankful for what God had done. So in the passage tonight that we've just heard, um, there was this 
lame beggar, lame from birth. You're talking over 40 years. And he was positioned in the space outside a gate on the path on the way to the temple. And he's, he's been laid there at the time where people would go for evening prayer. And he knows that it's the path where the wealthy might pass by. The giving of alms, asking for money, would be a pious move in Jewish culture. To be seen, to be giving and doing your part for justice is going to look good. And so this beggar is laid in the path of the wealthy, laid in the path of those who might fill him. He'd be a well-established beggar known for this and making this miracle even more powerful. There perhaps might have even been, it's not in the scripture, but perhaps Jesus even walked past this person in years gone by. And this desperation inside has led to massive creativity, tactically getting placed in that spot with those people at that time on their way to prayer. This is perhaps the equivalent of somebody sitting outside P's and G's on a Sunday morning and begging. And the grace and the healing that was shown shows us that God is restoring us and leading us to worship and creating wonder. And the first thing we see is that God brings restoration. We're restoring in the ministry and in the authority of his name. It's a continuation of what Jesus was doing. It's that we become the continued acts of the apostles, you and I. They spoke healing in the name of Jesus Christ, not in the power of their own, but of Jesus. It's making a link between earth and heaven. It's not a magic formula, but it's a recognition of who Jesus is. And it was important to recognize that as the season goes on. They say, where is your Jesus? Where is this one who came? And Jesus carries it on through us. And this authority given, it's not an authority that brands the crusades or slavery or racism or empire. This is an authority that releases compassion, releases kindness, releases freedom, empathy, creativity, and hope into people. The ideas that we might have that start businesses, that plant churches, that create hope, the next big adventure we have is a continuation of the acts of the apostles, the initiatives, the charities, the art, the teachers, the recovery in us. Anytime we say, welcome to church, or God bless you, we continue the ministry of Jesus. You know, we can't do that by our own name. If I was to pray for someone in the name of Mark Cameron, what would probably happen is their hair would fall out. <laughs> but we continue it in the name of Jesus. And when we think about that authority again, I, I, I wonder about the time I went to, to Parliament to meet um, someone in our church, Neil Stewart, to plan an event down there. And uh, when I went to Parliament, I crossed through security and I went into the lobby. And if I wanted to get any further than the bookshop, I needed the authority of someone influential, Neil Stewart. And so I wait in the lobby, and Neil arrives, and I'm given a badge, and I'm signed in, and we go through the, the secret glass doors into the echelons and the corridors of power. And when I'm there, I'm there under the authority of Neil Stewart. 
So if it were to happen that I needed to find a, a cash line inside and I left Neil Stewart, and if it were to happen that a security guard might bluntly ask me, who am I? It didn't help to say, my name's Mark Cameron. What does that matter? But I said, oh, I'm here with Neil Stewart. Thinking, oh, that might, that might get me somewhere. Maybe, maybe I don't need to pay for the coffee now. Um, what he said was, you need to be by his side at all times. <laughs> It's the authority that I'm carrying, and we have to be connected to the one carrying it. I'm here on someone else's authority, and I'm carrying on what they represent. Grace is enabling us to walk in authority. It enables us to go beyond where society lays us into the place where society says we cannot go. Grace enables us to go beyond where society lays us into the place where it says we cannot go. The beggar was laid outside the inner court of the temple in the public space, but he would have been kept outside of the closer places, the inner courts, due to the way that they interpreted his disability. So when he was healed, the beautiful moment happens when he gets up and he runs and he goes with them into the inner courts, into the place society said, you cannot go. I wonder where the places society is saying to us or we feel we cannot go. Where have it sensed, where have we been laid at? Where have we been held from? Because this is a story that subverts the holding places of society in us. In modern day context, on the 1st of December 1955, a lady called Rosa Parks was arrested for refusing to give up her seat to a white passenger on a city bus in Montgomery, Alabama. The segregated area for white people was extended past where she was already seated, and the request came that she needed to move to the back of the bus. And famously, she refused. She made a stand there. She was arrested. And days later, over 40,000 people were boycotting these buses in a significant move towards equality in the USA, the place where society says that we cannot go and it places us can be subverted to the place where we enter into to bring justice, to bring response. She's exposing it. Grace restores us it restores authority. It restores the places in society we can't go. And grace causes worship in us. We can see that the first response of this person was worship. It was to enter into the temple, to join with them in worship. If you may have uh, grown up in a church like mine, you know the song. It's been going through my head all week that this guy went, walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. And he moves straight in to the temple. I love that. Worship, so powerful. It's drawing something out of us. It's the first natural response to seeing God, to go, to celebrate, to worship. And when we worship, we're aligning ourselves with what heaven's already up to. We're joining with angels and archangels singing, holy, holy, holy. They're crying that out all the time. 
And when we praise, we're joining with eternity. We're connecting with something way beyond ourselves and way beyond this place. And that's why we sing. That's why we think about the words that we sing out. Because when life is saying you can't rely on people, when it's the message given to you, you can't trust anyone. You can't trust people in your workplace. You can't trust friends. People are going to let you down. Then we start singing all your promises, God, are yes and amen. When life is saying you're awkward or weak or insignificant, we say the same power that rolled the stone away is alive in us today. King Jesus we call upon your name. When the news tells us that love is being pummeled by division, by hate, by separation and persecution, we declare the grave and death is beaten. Love has won. When it feels like things are letting us down, we say, God, in faith, you are good. Somehow I'm holding on to that. Worship changes our perception, changes our perspective. Carl Lentz, who's a pastor of Hillsong in New York, puts it this way, he said, praise is a problem to your problem. Whatever is going on, when we begin to praise, our perception begins to change. What seems insurmountable, unclearable, begins to get ruffled. As in faith or as in discomfort, we look at these words of, of hope and faith. I know I worship because when I stop doing that, my vision gets fuzzy and I overcomplicate the world around me. I stop listening to people I can get overwhelmed by slavery or persecution. I might believe that corporations and politicians actually do rule the world. But praise and worship interrupts that. It interrupts the thinking which gives ourselves over to the way that the world wants. Our resentments, our failures, our guilt, our control, what we've abandoned, our sense of safety or threat. Worship is the place where God loves to meet these stories, these voices that happen inside us, this way we look at the world. Worship begins to create something else, a picture of what can be, a picture of possibility, of creativity, of more honest, real feeling in our lives. It transforms us. When we worship the creator, we become more creative. When we worship the God of justice, we become more just. When we look at an aspect of God's character, focus on it, lift it up, however that is, we're transformed into that. Grace restores, grace enables worship. It draws us in and it enables wonder. And it's wonder that goes both ways. We become a sign and a wonder that points people to God. These miracles we read of are often known as signs and wonders. And I often thought, what on earth is that about? And I really simply think, well, a sign always points to something. And a wonder always makes you wonder something. So these signs and wonders are pointing us to something and helping us wonder. And I find this an amazing story. It's brought me wonder. It's brought me curiosity. It's brought up stuff in me. So I, I wanted to email a couple of friends of mine, Neil and Joe, who are um, brilliant friends from another Edinburgh 
um, Episcopal Church, and they help to, to pray for other people, and they're completely the real deal, so down to earth. Neil was a software engineer, Joe's a nurse. Um, they're just brilliant folks, and they love praying for people and, and helping. And Joe sent me this story. She said, my brother had severe uh, bursitis in his knee. Um, that's, that's like an inflammation of the joints, which uh, creates this kind of Tom and Jerry level of bump. It looks painful. And he couldn't bear weight, and he was wearing crutches. And he came to the, the healing rooms, a prayer room, received prayer, and felt a dramatic decrease in pain. He walked out holding his crutches, not needing them. He got home and was able to not only wait bare, but carry his two children up the stairs. He went back to the hospital for his routine checkup, antibiotics, and the doctors who were treating him and had been the ones who saw him pre-prayer were blown away. One was in such a state of amazement, she left the room in disbelief. Not only was his knee not painful, but the redness and swelling had dramatically decreased. It's beautiful. I don't know what that was. It's a sign of wonder. What does it bring up in us? I don't understand how healings and miracles work. And this isn't an answer channel. Uh, the gift of life is a miracle. Medical science gives us countless ways of healing and things that seem miraculous. I suffered from chronic fatigue for five years, from the age of about 10 to 15. I'm utterly grateful for discovering a way that uh, my body could heal through the choices I made and what was going in it. And then there are these incredible times where we pray and something unexpected happens. The first time I experienced someone being healed, I actually just wanted to shut the person up. I was in church, and uh, again, when I grew up, you didn't talk in church. You had to be kind of quiet, and it was come to the end of the service, and the service leaders were praying for people who, who were unwell. And the person beside me said, so I was your week. I thought, I can't talk. He said, I said, oh, it's fine, yeah. And then I said, how are you doing? And the person said, oh, I had a bit of a cold. I said, oh, great. We can, we can pray then because then we don't have to talk. So said, oh, they're praying for healing right now. And then uh, we prayed and they said their cold lifted. I thought, what? I don't even, I don't even know if I wanted them to be healed. <laughs> wanted it not to feel awkward in church. <laughs> I don't get, I don't get this stuff. Like, I really wonder at God's mighty works, the things that make us say, wow, that create wonder, amazement, signs and wonders that point to Jesus, that point to his life. But I also wonder, why do people suffer? We have this amazing story of someone who waited 40 years for their life to change. You might have been waiting longer tonight. And so I wonder, what, what if we hold these feelings? What if we hold whatever this passage brings up in us? Whether it's anger or doubt or aggression that, that coughs up um, when we don't see God heal. Uh, and what if we were to take that to God tonight as well? What if wonder actually wants to go both ways? Not just in amazement and incredible, but in the questions as well. 
What if our moment of wonder is to say, why? Help me understand what happened. This is the other side of wonder. Because we don't have to avoid taking this into church, over to God, to each other. And if we're angry at God, I know that feeling. So we tell him. If we're hurt, we tell him. If we're disappointed, let it out. I wonder if we listen for a response or a still, quiet voice. But we want to encourage, church isn't the place where we bring all our light, bring all our cheer, but actually may this be the place where we we bring our whole self and Jesus might actually introduce us to that shadow part of us. Maybe that's the starting place with you and God. Maybe it's not in a moment of awe, but in a moment of why. Maybe it's in questions of faith. Because we've heard these stories, these wonderful miracles, but we also have heard phone calls which said they didn't make it. We said it's not all gone the way planned. And what if all of that might lead us closer to God, lead us to restoration, lead us to worship, and lead us into wonder? I invite the band to, to come up and just begin to get ready as we um, continue to respond tonight. We see grace restores, grace leads us to worship, calls us to that first place, and it leads us to wonder both ways, in amazement, but perhaps in why. That restoration, grace restoring our perception of Christ's authority that we carry, stepping into the place where society says that we have no place, becoming awake to the gate that you might be lying at, coming awake to what's happening in your, your school, your offices, your community, your neighborhood. That God wants to bring restoration there through you, through I, the continued acts. That there's worship going on in us. That we give thanks for what he's done, but we give thanks for who he is when what he's done seems bizarre. That there's wonder, wonder at the miraculous answer to the cry and wonder at the cry which seems to have no answer in the marvel of what he is and in the madness of what we find that wonder could go both ways so this enabling grace this grace that restores leads us to worship and to wonder how do we receive that tonight where's the invitation here and that is why we celebrate communion that's why we have this table this time to reflect on who Jesus is, the one that we can come straight to tonight, that we don't have to wait and speak to someone else to get contact, that whatever's going on, we come straight to Jesus with whatever's going on in us. Maybe he wants to introduce you to himself tonight, to the grace and the wonder. Uh, Maybe he wants to introduce you to the parts which we've cleaved off from bringing a church or bringing into our faith. And whatever it is God wants to do, may you know his peace as we gather around the table tonight.